Hello. Hello. This is Leif and Jamie Gustafson, and we're excited for the opportunity to be able to share with you today, new community. Uh, a few of you know us, uh, a few of you know, know us pretty well, but a lot of you don't, so I want to give just a little introduction. Uh, Jamie and I have been serving in Siberia since 2006. Uh, together, really helping to bring the gospel to the Boryat people. Uh, before that, we were in New Community Church, uh, active uh, interns for a few year, a couple years, and uh, group leaders and active members of the church. And since 2006, we've been helping to plant uh, churches in uh, in Boryatia. We now have also three kids. We didn't have them when we left, but uh, Annika, Ella, and Ike. And uh, just to give a brief background for those that don't, don't know that either, that where we're at in Siberia and the Buryat people, it's, it's really uh, the Asian part of Russia. And the people group, they are very closely related to the Mongolians. Uh, where we live is just north of Mongolia, in fact. And the people have a background where... Um, their religious and worldview uh, things are different. They, there's shamanism and there's Tibetan Buddhism. And that affects how people understand the gospel. That affects how they, they see things, hear things, and what they um, are even uh, hoping for in life. So today we get the opportunity to share a little bit about what God's doing there and really following the lines of uh, the great uh, missionaries of the Bible, uh, Paul, for example, he would always come back after his different trips and share what God was doing uh, in the churches in Antioch and the churches in Jerusalem. So we get the chance to do that today. Uh, and before we jump into some of the stories, I just want to uh, open up God's Word together with you and just look, because as we look through God's Word, it gives us the lens to be able to understand what how God's working, what things are worth celebrating and rejoicing over, what things maybe uh, should bring us to tears uh, as we see uh, one or another evil or, or a lack of faith or, or something that's going on in the world. So the, the passage, what I want to look at with you guys is, uh, I want to look actually at the life of Jonah. Uh, those, you know, probably most of you are familiar from maybe from kids' stories about Jonah being swallowed by a whale and spit back out and, and stuff. But um, what actually what happened is, is a few uh, months before we came back to the States, uh, which is where we are now, shortly before going back to Russia, but uh, before we left, I was studying this passage together with a group of uh, pastors and church leaders that were growing and studying how do we better teach God's Word. And as we were doing that together, there were just a few things that stuck out to me that I think are really important to share, um, share here in America as well. And what's really cool, actually, I just as a aside, a story about that group, that group started in, uh, it's with a little bit of a history that, so a number of years ago, I got to go through some uh, training on how to teach God's Word together with a number of Russian pastors. And one of the Russian pastors, Pastor Alexander, who I work closely with, uh, we decided, hey, let's start a group like this for uh, some of the men and the young men in our church that were wanting to grow and, and 
take steps in knowing how to teach. And so we, we set up a group and it started to go really well. And actually, saw, uh, Pastor Alexander started to, to take leadership really well in it and, and moved forward by himself. Well, that freed me up to be able to move into some other work. In fact, it freed us up enough that we actually made a move from inside the city, uh, the capital city of Boreatia, to outside the city, to a village that is almost completely Boreat, whereas in the city it's mixed Russian and Boreat, and uh, help another church uh, do a church plant in this village. Uh, while we were there, the partner, uh, our partner Sasha, in the village, he said, boy, in our church, we need some training on how to better teach God's word. I said, well, I've gone through some training. We've done some stuff in this other church. How about we go through some of that together with, uh, with the guys you're wanting to do that with in your church? And so we started to meet. And then uh, that all ended in the spring when COVID hit. COVID hit in Russia, just like here in America. And uh it made everything, all, all in-person meetings had to stop. And so I couldn't continue with what I was doing. Pastor Alexander and the other church couldn't continue with what he was doing. But we started to talk with each other on the phone. And we said, what if we combined our efforts? And what if we did this online? And what's really cool is we were able to do it online and not only just have some men from the city and from these two churches involved, but we actually put the invitation out and had men from all over and uh, people from uh, villages and, and places outside of the city where they don't have access to training opportunities. But we, we joined on Zoom and we went through the same uh, problems probably that everyone else went through of figuring out the technology of it, but it's been really great. And what, what I'm really excited about is after we left for the States, Pastor Alexander and a couple of others decided we were, we're going to continue this training together. And they've already gone through, uh, I think, two more series where they're examining different books of the Bible to uh, understand how do we better teach this? Not just how do we understand it for ourselves, but how do we better give this uh, understanding of the Bible to other people? And anyways, the whole, the whole connection with Jonah is that was the first book we decided to look at together. We studied the book of Jonah, and as we were doing that, I was struck by stuff, in particular, the context of, of Jonah and his life. And so I want to just think about who Jonah is a little bit, and then, and then get into these ideas. So Jonah, is, as you, you may or may not know, he was a prophet in what we call the Old Testament of the Bible. And if you've read any of the prophets of the Old Testament, then you'll see that often they have to share what we would really consider not good news, but bad news. There was often uh, proclamations of judgment, of uh, saying we were sinful or the nation was sinful, and, and, and it was hard news often. But what's interesting is the first introduction that we have to Jonah uh, is a little bit different. We first learn about Jonah not in the book of Jonah, but in the book of 2 Kings. And I want to read to you just a... a a verse here from 2 Kings 14, verse 25. It reads this way. It says, he, and this he is Jeroboam, the second Jeroboam, uh, one of the kings of Israel. He restored the border of Israel from Labo Hamath as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, 
who was from Gath Hepher. Well, what we know, what we see from this is this is Jonah, the same Jonah that we read about in the book of Jonah, that he had the opportunity to give a prophecy of good news. So often when we think that, okay, good news, that means that this King Jeroboam was probably a really good guy, right? I mean, good king would get good news. Uh, a bad king would get, um, you know, a prophecy of judgment or, or something like that. But let's read a little bit right before, the two verses before this really kind of paint a different picture. So same, same chapter, 2 Kings 14, but verses 23 and 24, they say, In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria. He reigned 41 years, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. Now, what this shows us is that Jeroboam was a man that was full of sin. And in fact, we see that he followed, there was a second, there was another Jeroboam. He's actually the second and a number of generations after the first Jeroboam and not even of the same line. But that first Jeroboam, if you look back in the Bible and the history of it, that first Jeroboam, he became the first king of what we call the northern kingdom of Israel. So Israel at one time was one kingdom. You know, we, we, there were kings like David and Solomon, and then the kingdom split. And Jeroboam was the first king of the northern kingdom. And what was interesting is the southern kingdom had the capital city of Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem was the temple. And that was the place in the temple where the Jewish people would go to worship God. Well, Jeroboam saw that and he was afraid. Okay, if he, he made a political move. He said, if I let my people continue to go to Jerusalem to worship God, they're going to start following the king in Jerusalem instead of me. So what he did is he made two idols. He made these golden calf idols and set them up in his kingdom and said, this is, this is your God, the God that brought you out of Egypt. These are the gods you're going to worship and, and, and do that. And it's really creepy, eerily, eerily similar to what happened if, if you uh, know your Bible history. Uh, back in the book of Exodus, with Aaron and Moses. When Moses went up onto the hill to get the Ten Commandments, uh, he was, you know, Aaron was down with the rest of the Israelites and they made a golden calf and they worshiped it. And they said, this is the God that brought us out of, out of Egypt. And in both those situations, what Jeroboam did and what the Israelites did with, with Aaron, those are remembered throughout the Jewish history as two of the most evil points in their history as the people turned away from their actual God to these golden idols. So what does this mean? This is a few thoughts that I want to share on this. In the first introduction to Jonah, he gives a message of grace. He gives a message of grace to the people of Israel, to his own people. And I think he was really happy about doing this. And we see that because it contrasts with how the story we see in the book of Jonah. So let me give a, a, a brief summary of the book of Jonah. Uh, Jonah, in the book of Jonah, we see God sees this place, Nineveh, sees that there's evil there. He says, Jonah, I want you to go preach there. 
Jonah does not want to go there. So the next thing you see is he's running away, exact opposite direction. Uh, we get this story in this boat. Jonah's the only one not paying attention to, to the fact that God sends this major storm that stops the progress of the boat. In the end, he says, throw me overboard. The sailors don't want to do it. They're doing everything they can to, to, to show kindness and protect Jonah. In the end, though, Jonah gets thrown overboard, and, and these pagan sailors worship while this prophet of God is thrown into the sea. And then in the sea, that's when you see some reaction from Jonah where he has this prayer. He said, God is the one that saves. We get the story of the, the whale or the, the fish swallows Jonah and then ends up spitting him back out. As we continue, then we see that God calls Jonah again, says, Jonah, I still want you to go to Nineveh. So he goes and does what is probably the worst sermon ever. He goes and he says, guess what? 40 days, you're all dead. And somehow, even with this horrible sermon that we would never preach here, uh, it was a message from God, and God moved in the hearts of the people of Nineveh, and they repented. And they changed, all, all everyone, even the king of the city, they all repented. And in that, God said, I want to show them grace, and he showed them mercy, and he didn't destroy them. And then we see this weird part of this book, chapter 4, talks about Jonah, he leaves the city and he was just read this major pity party that Jonah has. And the whole book ends with a question, the only book in the Bible that ends with a question. The question is, I would paraphrase it this way, is God says, shouldn't I care for this city full of people that I made and love? And, and we can understand that, <clears throat> that Jonah had a different reaction than God wanted. His heart wasn't where God's heart was. Um, and I just want to look at a couple comparisons and contrasts here. So in one instance, we hear Jonah making a prophecy of grace for the people of Israel. Another, a prophecy, of, prophecy that led to grace and mercy for Nineveh. In the first one, it was to an evil king in an evil kingdom, and Israel was not serving God at that time at all. And the second one, Nineveh was, there was evil in Nineveh. Uh, there, there was a lot of similarity, but in, in the first story, we see that the prophet wanted to share this. He wanted to bring grace because it was his people, whereas in the second, he didn't. Now, this leads to a couple of important questions and thoughts. And, and let me say this too. Nineveh, for the Israelites, that was a real true enemy. This was a, a, a more powerful kingdom nearby that, that really had a history and a dangerous history with Israel. They, there was reason for them to be afraid and there was reason for them to even, if you will, call them an enemy. But what I want to see here is I think there's a, some big ideas for us to consider First, I think that God, yeah, God wants us to respond in faith and repentance of the good news. That's, that's an important part of Jonah. But at the heart of it, God wants his servants, his people, and, and I would say his church, to have the same gracious heart that he has and rejoice at God's grace, even if it's to someone that we count as an enemy. And some of you are probably sitting here thinking, yeah, you know, I actually really wish my enemies would repent. But far too often when we say that, we really mean, I wish my enemies would be more like me. So I think an important question for us to ask is, who are we treating or thinking of as our enemy? 
you know, we're in definitely some crazy times politically here in the U.S. Uh, just just two days ago, the or a couple days ago, the the Capitol building was overrun. Uh, the the election pro process was just uh, horribly hard, and and people began to see and begin to see that the Republicans are the enemy, or the Democrats are the enemy, or or maybe a candidate or whatever. That's the evil person. Uh, we can. We can begin to see groups of people. Maybe it's, uh, you know, for someone, they might say, oh, the, there's the immigrants, that's, that's an enemy, or they're, they're taking our jobs. Or, or someone might, might say, oh, you know, no, the, the, the enemy is, is, is Muslims and, and other uh, groups like that. Uh, someone may look and say, oh, no, it's the LGBTQ community. That's the enemy. They're, they're trying to bring something else and, and uh there's these different peoples that we can begin to see. That's the enemy. And and here's the thing. Some of those groups may actually have uh, some evil intentions. It's potential that some of the, them are not wanting to bring good to everyone. But, but our job is not to judge them, but to bring God's message. And this is the good thing. Just like Jonah had a message for Nineveh, we, the church, have been given a message for this world, the gospel. And so I hope that we will also consider who, who are we looking at and how can we, instead of uh, seeing them as our enemy, see how can we see God's grace go to them as well. Now, we're going to share, um, Jamie's going to share some stories of uh, people in Buryatia. Now, I, I'm not imagining any of you are seeing the Buryats as your enemies, but a lot of you just don't know who they are. And and even just not, not knowing can create this apathy. And so I'm hoping that as you hear these stories, you will uh, get to know them, care for them, pray for them, love them, and rejoice at the work and the grace that God is giving into their lives as well. So. Well, I love that I get to share some of these stories with you and how God is at work in Boryatia. And there are many stories, but I'm going to share four snapshots with you today. And as I was thinking through what to share, there were kind of two themes that stuck out to me. And one is that prayer is powerful. And the other theme is that we're all in process. And I like to have these nice packaged up perfect ends to perfect stories, but I realize that most of life isn't like that. And a lot of our stories have ebbs and flows, highs and lows. And I'm seeing that that's um, a part of how God works and he does beautiful things. And so the first story I want to share is about our friend Asya. And the last time we were in the, sh in the States, I shared a story about how her daughter was very, very sick with tick-borne encephalitis. And she was in critical condition, and the doctor thought that she might die that night. And he said that if she made it through, she would likely be permanently blind or paralyzed and would have damage for the rest of her life. And a bunch of people were praying for her, and I couldn't sleep that night. I was praying for her. And later, later I learned that Asya ran outside into the rain in the courtyard that night and she just cried out to God and she said, God, if you're real, show me. And at that moment, a lightning bolt came down and Asya knew that that was an answer from God. And then the next morning she learned that at that same time that the lightning bolt came down, her daughter rapidly began to get better. And it was a miracle and she was healed with no permanent damage. Well, since I shared that three years ago, 
um, a lot of people have written and they said, um, I'm praying for Asya, how's she doing? And I didn't like that I didn't really have an answer for many months. I would talk to her sometimes, but then there would be many months when we didn't talk to her at all. And um, I was discouraged because there wasn't a cool story to tell, but I was also encouraged that people were praying. And I knew that if people were praying for her, her then God was at work doing something. So last December, um, Asya called me in tears and she shared that her husband had died. And um, it was a very, very hard time for her. And so we just um, tried to show love to her and her kids in all the ways that we knew how, by spending time with them, financially helping them, um, doing fun things with them to bring them cheer, crying with them. And um, they came to church with us. And um, it was really special for them. And the daughter, who almost died a few years ago, she told our daughter that um, when her dad died, she didn't believe that um, God was real. But she said, after hearing um, what they said at church, and she read a booklet that she took home about um, that explained who Jesus is and his love and how he's died for all of our sins. She said, I really believe that Jesus is real. And um, since then, Asi has been studying the Bible with me over an app and has tried to take her kids to church even while we've been here in the States. And it's encouraging to see how God's been at work, and we know that he'll continue to be at work. Another story is um, about a lady that we met in our little village that we live in. I have a ladies group that I started as a way um, to make friends and connect. And a lot of ladies in our village feel lonely. Their husbands are gone all day or gone for months at a time, working in mines or logging, and they just want friends. And one time this lady came with her baby and um, she was just a very lovely woman. Her name's Leanna. And um, we just saw how hard life is for her because she lives alone. She's a young single mom she doesn't have a car, and so she has to chop all of her own firewood and um, go to the well by herself. And if her baby needs diapers, she has to walk a long ways to the bus stop. And uh, it just takes a long time, and it's, it's a lot of work. And so <clears throat> we helped <clears throat> in all the ways that we knew how. Um, Leaf chopped her firewood, and we would give her rides and just showed love to her in ways that we could. Visited her sister in the hospital. And um, one week in the ladies group, she just shared how she doesn't understand how we could show such love for her. She said, this is more than my relatives would show love to me. And we were able to explain that it's because of um, God and his love. And, his love. and um, because he loves and cares for us, we um, are able to love and care for others. And she shared that she wanted to learn more about this God and about the Bible, but she was scared. And she actually disappeared for a few, a few weeks, maybe even a couple months, um, because she was scared. But this summer, she made a decision to start, um, to start coming to our home group and really learning more about Jesus and about the Bible. And she shared at the end of one of these home groups just something very heavy on her heart. And she told us that her mom years ago had been called to be, become a shaman, which is like a witch doctor. Um, and she refused to do this. And the other shamans told her that because she refused, two of her children would die and that she herself would come near to death three times. And since that time, two of her children have died and she has come near death twice. And Leanna sees that there is a great darkness and she knows that the spiritual world is real. And she also shared that 
since she had begun, begun coming to our home group, her mom had stopped talking to her, even though her mom had no idea that she was coming to this Christian group. And so Liana wanted to make these steps closer to God, but she also knows that um, there's a cost and that um, there's darkness in this spiritual world. And so she asked us to pray for her, and she knew that God needed to do a miracle in her mom's heart and in her family and in her own heart. And so we've been praying and since that time, we can see there's a great battle in Leanna's heart, but we can see that um, she's stepping closer and closer to God. And even in this time while we've been in the States, she's gone on her own to a lady's um, Bible study and to church. And this is really encouraging to us because we see that she has this hunger and we know that God can bring healing and light and life to her. Another story I want to share is about another guy from our village. His name is Edic, and he would come to our home group, and he would stay afterwards and talk with Leith and with another guy, and they would talk for hours after the home group ended. And he just has a lot of spiritual interest and wants to know about the Bible, um, but it's all very, very foreign to him. It's nothing like what he grew up with. And so this was very exciting for us. But um, then he moved away, and that was very sad for us because um, we could see that he really had a hunger to grow. And in the city that he moved to, he doesn't know any believers and doesn't have any connections with the church or anything. Well, in February of that year, our daughter Ella got pneumonia, and she was very sick and very discouraged because we had to be home, and she had to go in for treatments to the doctor every day. And one day she prayed, she said, God, um, show me something good that you're doing through my pneumonia because she could only see the bad things. And that very night, Edic called Leaf and he said, I'm in town. I'm here for a few days. Can I come, come over tonight and learn more about the Bible with you? And Leaf said, yeah, of course, come on over. And um, I was upstairs with the kids and we could hear through the floor when Leaf was talking with Edic and we were supposed to be gone that evening, but we were home because of Ella's sickness, and Ella realized that, and all of a sudden, as we were listening to Leaf sharing, she said, oh, if we, if I didn't have pneumonia, then we wouldn't be home right now, and Papa wouldn't be sharing with Etik about Jesus, and so that was just a cool time where um, we could see that God was at work, and then another cool story about Etik <clears throat> is that once COVID hit, he still lived far away from us in his new city, but once COVID hit, he joined in to our Bible studies over Zoom. And one week we were sharing about the parable of the lost sheep and studying that passage of scripture. And he said, I am the lost sheep and I haven't been found yet. And we were able to share how Jesus promises that if we seek him with our whole heart, we will find him. And so we're praying that Attic will be one of the found sheep. And then the last story that I want to share is about um, a guy named Bateau. And um, the story starts many years ago, um, probably seven years ago. And our family was driving through a village a few hours away. And a lady flagged us down. And it was on my heart to stop for her and give her a ride. Leaf and the kids were actually... Um, at a store or something, and I was in the car alone, and I um, picked her up, and it turns out that she was a believer, which was amazing, because there are hardly any believers in our region, and she's a Buryat lady, so there's even less Buryat believers, and um, 
we talked for a long time and at the end she asked us leave and the kids were back in the car again she asked us to pray for her two sons and she said that one had walked away from Jesus and the other wasn't a believer and we prayed together and I prayed for her sons as they came to mind over the next few months but over time I remember them less and less and had for, I really forgot about them all but if um, you fast forward to several years later which was about two years ago now two Boreat brothers in their 20s began coming to our home group and one guy Bulgier was very skeptical and he went against everything that we said and everything that we studied in the Bible and he asked lots of questions and didn't really understand the things that we were reading. And the other brother, Bateau, had recently come back to his faith in Jesus and he was timid at first but he grew in confidence as the word pierced his heart and he met with other believers and something transformative happened in each of these men over the next month. Um, the first brother came to a point where he said that he believed in Jesus and what the Bible says is true. And he even started bringing his friends to the group and sharing with them this exciting news that he was learning. And then um, Bateau, the second brother, became strong and bold in his faith and began telling others about Jesus. And it wasn't until several months in who, that we realized who these guys were. They were the sons that we had prayed for with the lady that we'd met years ago. And I just love how God's at work and how he's answering prayers even when we don't see or know. And um, Bateau's heart has been growing more and more for his people. I really believe he has um, the spiritual gift of evangelism. And um, he has many relatives that live all throughout our region of Boreatia in these little tiny villages. And he really wants them to know Jesus. And this last summer, Leaf was able to go on a hiking trip with Bateau, and they stayed one night in a village with some of Bateau's cousins, and they all hung out in the evening talking and playing games. And Bateau was able to get into a spiritual conversation with them, and he described these cousins as a clean slate because they didn't know anything about Jesus, and they hadn't heard about him before. And then, um, and they just were soaking up everything that he said like a sponge. And then a few weeks later, one of those cousins um, was, was in the city, and he came to our home group with Bateau, and he was just really tracking with um, our study of Revelation 22 and had many good questions. And at the end, he even shared some prayer requests with the group. And um, I just want to ask for prayer for Bateau because he's this Boreat believer, um, which is very powerful. But I think because of this, he faces a lot of opposition from our enemy and Sometimes he feels like there's a dark cloud that's following him, that oppresses him and accuses him of things he's done in the past. And when he's really down, he isolates himself from other believers, not wanting to bring them down too. But I just, um, I pray that Bateau will be built up and continue to grow in his faith and pray that the Lord will use him to bring many people all over Boreatia to himself. And um, I just love being, having been in, in Siberia for so long, we're able to see a lot more of the exciting parts of stories coming together and a lot of the processes coming together as God's at work. And we trust that he'll continue to work. And we are so thankful for your prayers because God is listening. Yeah, thank you for your support, for your prayers. And, you know, if you want to hear more stories or if you want to be more connected with us and, uh, and get prayer updates and, and things like that, we can find ways to contact us and, and we do send things out to people. And yeah, we just are so thankful that there are people supporting us, praying for us and part of this work. And so I hope that 
uh, you can praise God together with us for what, what we're seeing. Bye, everybody. Bye.